Let's look in our Bibles to the book of Hebrews to chapter 6. The book of Hebrews, and in chapter 6, I'd like to read the entirety of this chapter, verses 1 through verse 20. Hebrews chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on under perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and were made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away to renew them again unto repentance, Seeing they crucified to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh under cursing, whose end is to be burned. But, beloved, we are persuaded better things of you, and things that accompany salvation, though we thus speak. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, swear by himself, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. And so, after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation, is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, that we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge, to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever 
after the order of Melchizedek. We're told in the scripture that there are many offices and roles of Jesus Christ. He fulfills many different offices uh, on our behalf. We think of him as prophet, priest, and king, and there's many others. But one that seems to be overlooked many times is he is our forerunner. He is our forerunner. Note the word in verse 20. Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. You go to study the role of Jesus in this office of Jesus as forerunner. You just simply look up the word forerunner in a concordance and you'll find the word is used only once in Scripture. And it's here in our text. The only time you find the word forerunner in the Bible is in Hebrews chapter 6 and in verse 20. But once is enough for us to know that Jesus is our forerunner. When you look back to the Old Testament, there are many types and pictures of Jesus, and none of those ever fully explain unto us who Jesus is and what He has done. And one of those offices in the Old Testament, which is a picture of Jesus, is that of the high priest. You might notice in Hebrews 6 and in verse 20, Jesus is not only our forerunner, but he is made a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. In the Old Testament, the high priest was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in Hebrews in chapter 9, and I want to read verse 1 through verse 7. Hebrews 9, and beginning in verse 1, Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil the tabernacle which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer, the ark of the covenant, overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, and Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot, cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself 
and for the errors of, of the people. And I want you to come stop there for just a moment. Notice in verse 7 again. The high priest would go within the veil into that section in verse 3 which is called the holiest of all or sometimes the, the holy of holies. The priest would go into the veil. He would enter into that section and he would represent the people of Israel in making an atonement. But in this role of a high priest, the high priest was never a forerunner of the people of Israel, for no one else was allowed into this holiest of place here except this high priest, and he could only go in once a year. But his entrance into this holy place did not admit anyone else. Again, no one followed him in there. You'll notice the word alone in verse 7. When Aaron and the other high priests were types of Christ in the Old Testament, none of them could ever be called a forerunner. This applies to Jesus and as always, the antitype excels the type. In Hebrews 6 and in verse 20, it speaks of Jesus, our forerunner. Whether the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. Now think about it for a moment. It's easy to sit and hear a message without thinking while you're hearing, and I know that. And we need to think about what we read. The forerunner, verse 20, is for us entered, even Jesus, made in high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Have you ever considered that Jesus, in the ascension back into heaven, back with the glory of the Father that he had eternally had before he came, that he has entered into heaven as our forerunner. Whether we fully understand it or not, He has entered into heaven and that is a guarantee to all of us that we will enter in. If you want a guarantee of heaven, if you're a true believer, here's the guarantee. We have a forerunner who has already entered into heaven for us. Hebrews in chapter 4 and in verse, verse 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 9 and in verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the truth, but into heaven itself. Now, to appear in the presence of God for us. 
as our representative, Jesus Christ has already possessed heaven for us. And he is our guarantee that we will go unto glory. Go with me to John chapter 14. As you're turning, I'll mention this. Jesus Christ came into this world. And through His, his sacrifice, His death, His suffering, through His imputed righteousness, through that effectual work of the Holy Spirit of God, we are prepared for heaven. We had to be prepared for heaven. We had to be made fit for heaven. But notice this, if you would, in John chapter 14, and again you probably have the words memorized, verse 1 of John 14, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now again, I'll stop. God's elect must be prepared for heaven. We must be prepared. But there is a sense in which Jesus has entered into heaven to prepare a place there for us. He's our forerunner. He has gone before us, entered into heaven to prepare a place for us. Notice the guarantee of John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Have you ever thought of those words in verse 3 as the guarantee given by Jesus? As our forerunner, he has already entered in. And he said, I go to prepare a place for you. I don't know what he is doing or has done to prepare that place since he has been there, but I know he's gone to prepare a place. But then he gives the guarantee of verse 3 that if he does go and prepare a place for us, he said, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. As our forerunner, as mentioned in Hebrews 6, verse 20, Jesus Christ is already there as our forerunner, gone to prepare a place for us. And because He is there, we have an entrance and access unto heaven, even now, as we live here upon this earth. We have access to God. What a great blessing that is. We have access to God. I'm going to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews and then chapter 10. And here I'm going to read verse 19 through verse 22. Hebrews 10 verse 19. 
Having therefore, brethren, boldness, that word you know means liberty, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Think about it. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by, meaning by the means of, the blood of Jesus. By new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed in pure water, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. What a great thing this is. We have access into heaven. I think we take it for granted <laughs> But we can approach the very throne of God because of our forerunner, the Lord Jesus Christ. There is something very special about verse 19 of Hebrews 10. Having, not we shall have, but having now, having, Therefore, brethren, boldness or liberty to enter into the holiest. People of Israel were forbidden from going in. Only the high priest could go in. And he only once a year. And he only once a year with blood. But we have liberty to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Back to chapter 6 again and in verse 20. Just to point out the importance of Jesus. It says, Whither the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus. It is Jesus. It's Jesus. There are many names and titles given to him in the word of God. You're familiar with them as I am, I'm sure. But there's one name that is so special to the people of God. And it's Jesus. It's Jesus. As the angel stated in the book of Acts, it's this same Jesus. This same Jesus. Notice in verse 20 it says, even Jesus. Even Jesus. Even something that we might not ever imagine is Jesus. Even Jesus. You remember as Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, well I'm just going to turn there and read it. Philippians and in chapter 2. Philippians, and in chapter 2 and in verse 9, it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. 
And we do not have to guess what that name is. Verse 10 says, at the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. At the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus that his people love. But also it's the name of Jesus that his enemies hate. The name Jesus assigned unto him uh, at his birth. And we know the reason why. Because he shall save his people from their sins. You study the, and I'm going to Acts chapter 2. If you study the ministry of the apostles, they constantly preached Jesus. They emphasized that name Jesus, over and over and over again. Acts chapter 2 and in verse 22. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. Hear these words. First thing I want you to hear is Jesus of Nazareth. A man approved of God. If you look over to verse 32, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. You look in chapter 3 and in verse 13. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified His Son, Jesus. Jesus. Chapter 4 and in verse 10. Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth they pointed people to Jesus. To Jesus. One more place, and there are so many in the book of Acts and in other places. In chapter 5 and in verse 30, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. When all of a sudden in the midst of what was seemingly a great revival breaking out, the Holy Spirit told Philip, I want you to leave here and go out into the desert. And he found one man out there, the Ethiopian eunuch. And we're told in the Scripture he preached unto him Jesus. Of all the things he could have told that one man, he preached unto him Jesus. Jesus. Look at our text again if you would. Hebrews chapter 6 and in verse 20. Again, I'll tell you that, that words are important. Hebrews 6.20 Whither the forerunner is for us entered. And there's important words all through that small statement, but to me, the definite article, the, just stands out. Not a forerunner. He is the forerunner. We don't have another. There is not another 
He is the forerunner. We have only one. We do not have forerunners as departed saints. We do not have forerunners as the many martyrs down through the years. Mary is not our forerunner. It's Jesus. And we're told here in verse 20, the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. Now, I've mentioned this already. This is one of the surest proofs of our eternal security and our eventually going into glory. We have a forerunner. And he's there for us. In order to be a true forerunner, you must be representing Someone that's going to come after you. You're going before them. You're their forerunner. But they're coming. You're going to prepare and announce the way. The book of Luke. You remember John the Baptist. Even though the word forerunner is not used. I said it's used only one time in the Bible, and that's our text. But even though the word forerunner is not used in Scripture concerning him, he is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 1 and in verse 76, And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways. Same chapter, look back to verse 17. And He shall go before Him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Notice, he shall go before them. John went before Jesus and prepared a people for the Lord. Now, go back to the Old Testament a moment, the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah and in chapter 40, Isaiah in chapter 40. Notice the prophecy in verse 3. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and in chapter 3 and in verse 1, Malachi chapter 3 and in verse 1, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delight in. 
Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now that's an interesting reading there. It would be years before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. But notice who's doing the speaking in Malachi 3 1. And it's Jesus. He said, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. Again, John, the forerunner of Christ, would go before him, prepare the way, and prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Now, consider this. Did not God, in sending John to go before Jesus and prepare the way for him, guarantee the coming of the Lord? If there was no other prophecy about the coming of the Lord other than the ministry of John, we have a guarantee the Lord's coming. Because John was sent by God. We're told that he's a man sent from God. And he was sent to go before the Lord and prepare his way. Now, God is not foolish in sending someone to go before another and prepare the way for another and not send the other. He's coming. The one that the forerunner is telling about. The one that the forerunner is preparing the way for. He must come. He must come. Or all this prophecy concerning John is meaningless. It's all, all false. Now even so, Jesus as our forerunner, as he is now even in heaven itself, guarantees our interest into heaven. If those whom he represents as the forerunner, if they do not follow him and in entering in, he is no forerunner at all. It's all a false claim. He's representing a people. He's going before them. He's preparing the way. Well, if they don't come after him and every one of them come after him, it's all false. It's a hoax. It's not real. But he is a forerunner. And I take it as a guarantee that I'm going into glory one day. Because my forerunner has gone to prepare the way, prepare a place for me, and that's my guarantee. That's my guarantee. I know I have his words that we read in John 14 and in verse 3. His promise, I'll come again and receive you. But all I need to know is I have a forerunner. And it's even Jesus. And he's entered into heaven for us. Now I'm going to leave you with this thought of Jesus as our forerunner. No one is going to arrive in heaven unexpectedly. We're expected to be there. We're expected. 
We're already announced. Jesus is there. Jesus is there. There will not be one person there that God didn't expect to be there. And there won't be any more than he expected. All for whom Jesus Christ is a forerunner are guaranteed to be there. I'll say again, we're expected. We're expected to be there. Brother Ross, come and lead us. Let's stand as we sing.